Hey, give me a woohoo if that was pretty good this morning, right? Man. Hey, thanks so much for being here with us today at East Brainerd, everybody. And I see a lot of you have worn your red. It is the, you know, the love weekend. Um, but for Georgia fans, it's just another reminder that you guys are national champions, right? Everybody's a Georgia fan. Everybody's a Georgia fan at Valentine's Day. So whether you wore red for Georgia or, or you wore red for your loved one, whatever it might be, we are so glad. And we're so glad that you are here today and uh, celebrating celebrating with us. Hope you were able to join us last week as, as well, whether you were here in person or you were joining us virtually. I, I need to give a big shout out to, to Stephen and to, to Derek and to all the others who helped walk us through scripture and through, through hymns and prayer as, as we provided a space of healing. And I think it was something that was truly needed. We were reminded as we listened to ancient words that it's okay to lament. It's okay to to pour out our heart, to grieve, and to bring our sorrows to the Lord, knowing that God hears our cry, knowing that God hears the cries from our soul, and he brings healing. I heard from many of you who spoke about the cathartic nature of last week's time that we had together and how valuable it was for us as a church family. And I don't think it was a coincidence. I don't think it was a coincidence that on the day that we were reminded that our God is our shield and he's our glory and he's the lifter of our pandemic head, I don't think it was a, a coincidence that we welcomed our largest crowd back to campus since Easter of last year. I don't think it was a coincidence. We needed that time together. And, and so we came and, and we, we listened to the words of God. We, we poured out our heart to him and it was just a great reminder of the power of the inspired word and of shared encouragement. And so, again, I hope you were able to, to be a part of that and, and to be uplifted by it. But the question then comes, where do we go now? Right? I mean, where do we go now? Because it's important that we give space to our grief and our loneliness and our pain. But there comes a time. There comes a time where we have to, to rise up from the sackcloth and the ash and return to the mission at hand. And guys, let me just be honest with you. It is easier said than done because our, our culture and our church have gone through a season of loss and anxiety and, and fear and chaos and stagnation. And I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Satan has used this pandemic as an opportunity to destroy the hope of the people of God. And hope is hemorrhaging. And the faith and assurance that used to be hallmarks of churches and, and church leaders have been replaced by doubt and uncertainty. And I don't think there has been a more difficult time in my lifetime and, and yours to live a life of kingdom mission. But here's the thing. Circumstances do not circumvent the mission of God's people. In fact, the, the more dire the circumstance, the more crucial the mission is at hand. Because, you know, it's been a dark 24 months. But where is light needed the most, if not in darkness? And where is peace most appreciated, if not in the storm? And so I thought it appropriate that we spend some time over the next, the next few weeks together sharing about our next steps as, as a church family. Where we're going to be going in the days and the weeks and the months ahead to restore our congregational hope and, and renew our community impact. And so here's the first thing that we're going to kind of focus on as we, we think about our next step. Here's step number one. Guys, we have got to remember our calling. God's people must remember God's calling. See, there's too many faith communities that are living in what, in what the French language terms ennui. 
It's a state of listlessness and boredom. And some have defined it as treading water, where, where a person or a church is just trying to stay alive, just, just trying to, to keep the head above water spiritually. The doors have reopened, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of direction or purpose. The followers of Jesus file in and take their places. But after two years of social distancing and social unrest, well, things are just different. Just different. Churches are seeing an average return of 50 to 60% of their pre-pandemic numbers. Legacy ministries that were once hallmarks, they were vibrant and strong, now they struggle just to find the volunteers to keep things going. And guys, 40% of pastors who were serving three years ago have walked away from their ministry. 40%. Decision and compassion fatigue have just taken their toll. And yet there's something within each of you that keeps drawing you back. There's something that keeps pulling you back. Perhaps it's a, a soothing hymn. It's a, it's a random scripture that brings you back among the people of God. But yet still you occasionally sit surrounded by worshipers wondering why you just don't feel like you used to. Where's the hope and the excitement? And it's just hard to verbalize. It's hard to verbalize exactly what is different. But during moments of extended ambiguity where, where, where there's more that's unknown than known, our tendency is to retreat back into something that is comfortable. We want things to be normal. But guys, things are anything but normal. And so we go in search of something. We go in search of someone, anything that feels common, anything that feels familiar, anything that just feels normal. It's why Simon Peter and a group of friends and followers of, of Jesus decided to go fishing one night. Jesus had died, he had, he had been resurrected, he had appeared to these disciples on a couple of different opportunities, but things were just not the same as they were before. It wasn't like when, when they were traveling around from town to town with Jesus and, and learning at his feet and, and all the crowds were making it difficult just to go walking down the street. Things had changed. So they went out and got into the boat. They went back to what they knew. Fishing was their blood. Fishing was their, been their life. It made sense. The sails and the sea. And so when things got uncertain, the disciples of Jesus went back to their nets. And I just have to wonder, I just have to wonder if the same can be said for us. As our culture and church adapted and changed over the last couple of years, what has been your response? Have you found yourself retreating into the comfort of past attitudes and actions? Have you found yourself doubting more and, and trusting less? Have you closed yourself off, unsure about letting others come in? Have secret sins, sins that man, you thought you had put away and that, and that you had abandoned, have they returned? Have you become content with having less interaction with the followers of Jesus? Have we gone back to our nets? Have we gone back to our nets of fear and selfishness and, and pity and, and pride and laziness? As a church, has, has this extended season of unrest caused us to abandon our faith? Have we walked away from our boldness? Have, have, we, have we sacrificed and, and put away our, our witness, our vision, our, our action? Have we defaulted to a non-discipleship form of Christianity? 
Have we returned to just being content with opening the doors and collecting some dues? Have we gone back to our nets? If so, then let me offer you a word of caution. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Why do you think that was? That they forgot how to do it? I mean, it had been a few years. You think they couldn't remember exactly where the best fishing holes were and, and where to put the nets. And you, you think James and John were arguing about how to tie the best knots. And, and nobody could remember how to do it anymore. We just don't know what to do. Or could it be, could it be that the reason that they didn't catch any fish that night is because that was no longer their calling? Oh, that used to be who they were. That used to be how they spent their days and their nights, but not anymore. Not since the last time they'd encountered a similar empty net situation. You might remember that there was a time when Jesus was preaching there by, by the lake, and, and the crowds were there, and he wanted, a little bit, he wanted a little bit more space from them, wanted to be able to amplify a little bit better. And so he looked over, and there were, there were some boats that were there, and he calls out to the fishermen and says, hey, can I get in one of your boats, and can I talk from there? Now, these guys have been fishing all night. They had, they had their nets put out. They were drying them. They were, they were getting everything fixed for their next day of, of fishing. They just wanted to leave and go rest. But there was a guy named Simon Peter, and he said, all right. And he allowed Jesus to get into his boat, and Jesus continued talking with the people. And the people listened, and, and Simon listened. And, and then when it was all done, and Simon's thinking, fine, I can finally get home and, and I can finally get back to the missus. I got all these to do th things to do and, and, and my mother-in-law's at my house. I know that she's going to want me to do some things. And Jesus says, hey, if you wouldn't mind, why don't you put out into some deeper water and put out your nets for a catch? <laughs> and they were like, dude, you are not a fisherman. <laughs> I can tell you're not a fisherman because we've already been out fishing and, and we're closing everything up for the night and, and we are done and we're ready to leave and and they said, we, we've been out all night, and we didn't catch anything, and you want us to go back out again? I mean, we already don't like each other. We've been cussing one another back and forth. We've been so upset. We've been so angry. This has not gone the way that we want it to, but because you say so, <laughs> hell yeah, you with all these people that crowd around you, and you've asked us right here with everybody watching and listening, we'll go. And so they do. Peter goes out with his brother. He goes out with James and John, and and they let their nets down for another catch. And this time, and this time their nets fill up so much that they begin to tear. They begin to shout back and forth to one another in the boats. They, they need to be able to pull their resources together in order just to be able to get the fish onto the shore. And when they do, Peter then goes and falls down at Jesus and he says, you need to leave because I, you don't realize what a sinful man I am. You don't know what kind of people you're with. You were talking to some people earlier and they wanted to hear your message. I've been out fishing. This is a difficult life. You do not know the man that I am. I wasn't here to listen to you. I was just here to put my nets away and go out and fish again another day. But Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. Because from now on, you're going to go fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, did you catch what Jesus said? He, he said the answer to why Peter and his friends kept pulling in the empty nets 
on that night, they returned to the boats. Follow, follow me, he said, from now on, from this moment, from this moment now until you breathe your last, you're going to be fishing for people. See, that was their calling. And for three years, they went out with Jesus day and night in search of people. People who were lost and people who were broken. People who had been abandoned by the religious and abused by the establishment. People who were swimming in the consequences of their own sins and unrighteousness. For three years, they had gone out and touched lepers, and, and they had held outcasts. They befriended prostitutes. They ate with tax collectors and all others who were far from God. For three years, they brought hope to the hopeless and light to those who had darkened hearts. For three years, they went out fishing for people. That was their calling. So three years later, in their moment of ennui, when they returned to their boat in search of pre-Jesus satisfaction, their nets remained empty. You see, their circumstances had changed, but their calling, their calling remained the same. They had been called to partner with God in accomplishing his kingdom agenda, to join Jesus in proclaiming good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let everybody know now is the year of the Lord's favor. And guys, for them to attempt to do anything other than their calling from God would result in empty nets. They just weren't going to be filled. They needed a reminder about their calling. They needed a reminder about, about what they were to be about and whose they were and the mission that they had been given. And I love Jesus' sense of humor. In John chapter 21, beginning in verse 4, it says that at dawn of the day that, that those guys, had, they went out at night, okay, to fish. And at dawn, Jesus is there on the, on the beach, but the disciples couldn't tell who he was. And so he called out and he said, hey, fellas, caught anything yet? No, they replied. And I can, I can picture this, this coy smile across Jesus' face. And, and I can see him kind of shake his head thinking, of course you haven't. That's not your calling. <laughs> so he said, hey, why don't you throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. And so they did. And, and they couldn't haul in, haul in the net because there were so many fish. Does that, does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound like something that you, that you just heard because it reminded John of something? And so John looked over at Peter and said, hey, that's the Lord. I remember the last time this happened. I, I remember how, how this thing works. I, I remember how that, how that we went out after a long night of fishing and we didn't catch anything. And then all of a sudden he told us to go and told us where to put the nets and all the fish came in. And I remember what we did when we got back on shore. The others stayed with the boat, but Peter, he was so excited, he jumped off, and he, Michael Phelps, did 100 yards to shore. And when the rest of them got there, they found out that there was breakfast that was waiting on them. Jesus had, had a fire going, and he said, bring some of the fish that you just caught. And so, so Peter goes and gets on board, and he drags the net back to shore. And I just wonder if while he was dragging that net, guys, I wonder if while he was dragging that net that was weighed down with fish that he did not catch, I wonder if he thought to himself, I am not supposed to be doing this. Now look, I don't blame Simon for returning to his old life. 
He walked away from his nets a few years before, but and he had successes and he had joyful moments with Jesus, but he also had failures. Failures that I'm sure that had him questioning his calling. I mean, why did Jesus choose him anyway? He had flunked out of Sabbath school. He wasn't qualified in any way to lead a religious movement. I don't know, maybe you've thought the same thing. Maybe you've had the same types of, of thoughts that have, that have gone through your mind. Where these last couple of years has given you time to think and you've begun to question God's calling on your life. You've been thinking about your faults and you've been thinking about your failures and your, your frailty. And maybe you drug your net in here this morning and all the while questioning what God really sees in you and what God can really do through you. And get this, you know you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing right now. You know that. Whatever, whatever it is that this is right now that, that you're involved in, you know that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You're not supposed to be so consumed with your job. You're not supposed to be cheating your family. You're not supposed to be influenced by that friend group. You're not supposed to be getting in so much debt. You're not supposed to be letting your anger get all the best of you. You're not supposed to be so anxious. You're not supposed to be so fearful of changes and intolerant of others. You're not supposed to be so lackadaisical in your faith. You know this. But listen, I get it. I get it. I understand. I understand how easy it can be to just go back to how things used to be but our nets are empty, and it's not our calling. Guys, we have been called to partner with God in accomplishing his kingdom agenda. And my prayer is that today God is going to use this message time, going to use our time of praise that we have had together to remind each of us of our life's greater purpose. Guys, our, our, ours is a life of relevant influence. Individually and, and as a whole, we have been given a ministry of healing and a message of hope. Because if you haven't realized that our world has a love problem, and our world has an anger problem, and a forgiveness problem, and our world has an acceptance problem, and a value problem, our world has a fear problem, and a sin problem, but as followers of Jesus Christ, we have an answer to the world's problems. We have an answer. The good news of Jesus Christ and the healing hope that comes in the kingdom of God. We have a ministry and we have a message. And scripture says that the grace of God, that grace has appeared to all men, to all women, to everybody, and offers salvation to all people. And the cool thing is that the Hebrew meaning of salvation is to be broad and, and to become spacious and, and to enlarge. It carries with it the sense of deliverance from an existence that has become compressed and confined and, and cramped. And God says that salvation, that, that open space is available to everyone. And in Christ, God wants to throw open the doors of his kingdom and usher all people into an existence that is highlighted by justice for the marginalized and mercy for the outcast and, and humble fellowship. And grace is the key that unlocks the door to this broad and spacious existence. And Jesus is the mediator of that grace. And he has said, guess what? I want you to partner with me in sharing that good news. It's your calling. It's the calling of this church family. You see, we exist to move people closer to a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. Guys, we don't invite people to the church. We invite people to Jesus. 
And it's why Paul would write to individuals living in the most infamous city of his time. And he would say, I am so eager. I am so eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Jesus Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. He says, I've got good news for your cramped existence. I've got good news for your ennui life. This news has the ability to change your life. I mean, Paul is stoked. Or I was offered $5 if I could say, Paul is banging. Man, he is with it. There's excitement in his voice. There's passion in his words. He has good news and he can't wait to share it because he has hope for the people of Rome. A hope that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, that same hope is available for you and that same hope is available for Chattanooga. But the first thing that has to take place is, guys, we have got to drop our nets. We've got to drop our nets. We've got to walk away from anything that is hindering Anything that is hindering the call of Jesus on our life. We've got to walk away from the sin and, and the fear. We've got to step aside from the selfishness. We've got to walk away from making excuses and walk away from just going through the motions. Circumstances do not circumvent the mission of God's people. And our focus has to move from our past and our current circumstance to the next season of our mission. And guys, listen, we don't have time to waste, all right? And the headwinds are against us. Now, I've told you before to look occasionally at your neighbor and say, hey, this is going to hurt. Because I'm going to say some things that might step on some toes, all right? You need, now, you need to look at the people around you and say, this is going to hurt bad. Okay, go ahead. Just go ahead and say it. It's going to hurt bad. I promise, there, there, there's good coming, but this, this part right here, this is going to hurt. I just want you to know it. Guys, for the last 30 years, membership in our Christian fellowship, the Churches of Christ, has been on decline. The average age of our congregations continues to increase. Young people are, are not coming or they're not staying. Around 60 congregations a year are closing their doors across the U.S. That's an average of more than one per week. That's within our fellowship. Think about that. And while nobody has a crystal ball and we can't see what's going to come, research released by Stanley Granberg and Tim Woodruff suggests that over the next 30 years, churches of Christ will decline to less than half of what they are today. Projections are that membership will decline from the current 1.1 million to 250,000 by the year 2050, with the number of congregations falling from just over 12,000 to only 2,800. Now let that sink in for a minute. Now I'm not so much concerned about these numbers because it says that our fellowship is going to be dwindling. I am concerned about these numbers because it says that our influence and our relevance will be dwindling in our society. And it means that for whatever reason, we are no longer able to communicate the good news in a way that is good. And that people are not hearing. And that people are not responding. And that lives are not being changed. Take a moment to think about this. And now ask yourself this hard question. Will this church survive the next 30 years? Will the East Brainerd Church of Christ 
still be relevant in 30 years. Embracing its calling in order to reach that next generation and the generation after. Now let's be honest and admit some things. Over the last 30 years, our congregation, like others, we're not alone, has focused more time, conversation, and energy on our church's direction than on our neighbor's connection with Jesus Christ. We have often talked more about our own spiritual comfort than the spiritual needs of our culture. We have prized the preservation of the status quo over the multiplication of disciples. What we have asked for, and at times we have demanded, that we be a church that brings personal comfort as opposed to being a church that brings people to Jesus. In fact, our fellowship has sacrificed the last two generations on the altar of our preferences. And as a result, our nets are empty. We've forgotten our calling. Now look, I don't say these things lightly or flippantly. And I'll just be transparent. I was up until 4 o'clock this morning wording and rewording everything I've said since I made the statement, this is going to hurt. I don't want to discount the powerful impact that God has had to this church family in the past. But I do not believe that we will survive the next 30 years if we choose to replicate the same ennui attitudes and actions of the previous 30. And now listen, for anyone here or listening online who is concerned that this message is a prelude for some great change to our church, let me be as clear as I can be. The church is not ours. It is not yours or mine. The church belongs to Jesus. It is his kingdom gathering. And he wants to add more people to it. And he has asked for our congregation to participate. He has asked for each one of you to be a part of that mission. But in order to partner with him in that great endeavor, he does ask that we change he asked that we change our attitudes. And he asked that we change our conversations. He asked that we change our priorities. He asked that we change our focus, that we change our enthusiasm, that we change our hearts. In other words, he asked that we lay down our nets and that we remember our calling. And guys, look, I am confident that when the people of God remember and embrace the call of God, that the future will be one, one for God. I believe that. Because I believe that God is intent on filling up his house. And I believe that he wants others to come into a life-saving relationship with his son. And I believe that he will be victorious in his mission. I also believe it's time for us to take the next step. Time to, to take the next step in order to reach the next one. The next one who needs Jesus. The next one who needs comfort. The next one who needs forgiveness. The next one who needs acceptance. The next one who needs direction. It's time to take the next step in order to reach the next one who is struggling with addiction. The next one in a broken relationship. The next one who is questioning truth or, or their sexuality or, or injustice or materialism or fairness. Friends, there are people in your life in need of encouragement and refreshment and joy, and you have the ability to give that to them through Jesus Christ.
There are people living within walking distance of this building who need love, and we have the ability to give that to them through Jesus Christ. There are people in hospitals and clinics in need of comfort and compassion, and guess what? You have the ability to share that with them through Jesus Christ. There are people in your place of business who need mercy, and who else is the mercy giver but Jesus, and you can share that. There are people at your school who need acceptance. You're not left out because you're young. You're not left out because you're old. You can do that in the name of Jesus. There are people in this city who are struggling with inequality and inequity, and we can do something about that in the name of Jesus Christ. There are people in this city who are marginalized and considered less than, and something can be done because of Jesus Christ. There are people in this city who are hungry and who are thirsty and in need of basic necessities. And there's something that we can do and continue to do in the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, there are people in this city who need what only Jesus can give and I don't know why, I don't understand it, but for some reason, he called me, and he called you, and he called you, and he called you, and he called you, and 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 you, all of us. He called us. You have been called to partner with God to accomplish his kingdom agenda. And so walk away from your nets. Remember your calling. Don't be afraid from now on. You're going fishing for people. Will you join me in a prayer of thanksgiving? Father, I just ask that we would remember the calling that we received when we first came into your presence. And that we would lay down the nets that have brought us comfort, the nets that we have held to, the nets that have kept us safe. And Father, that we would abandon it all for the sake of the call that you have brought to us and that we would go forth with courage and conviction, that we would have passion and enthusiasm and that, Father, that we would have love and that we would share the good news of Jesus to the next one. I pray that our past is only a taste of the glory that our future will be. Father, awaken us to the call. Let us lay down the nets and follow where you lead. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, and together as a church we say, amen. Guys, I appreciate you being here today. I appreciate your kindness of listening as I talked through that, and I know there were some things in there that were difficult. But I want you to know that there, there is something that is bigger and that's beyond us individually there is something that is greater, and it's the call of God to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And where are we going in the future? That's our next step, to remember that calling and to embrace it. And look, we want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you're here with us, you know what? If, you want to, if you're somebody that's just been going through the motions, if you've experienced ennui over these last two years, I want to give you the opportunity to come before this church family and say, you know what? I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready to take the next step, and I want to embrace my calling anew. If you've never been baptized into Christ, I want to call you to step into the good news of Jesus and to, and to have your sins washed away and experience what it's like to be a part of God's kingdom. And then I want you to leave and go tell somebody else about it. I want you to have that opportunity. Guys, this is the greatest job in the world. You get to go out and brag on God. You get to go out and brag on God. 
Are you ready to do that? Are you prepared inside to do that? If not, then I encourage you to please come. Our elders will be here in the front. We'll have elders in the back in our prayer room if you'd like to talk to someone privately. But I'd love for you to come and just say, you know what? I am ready to renew the calling of God on my life. Why don't we stand and sing and give God praise? And if you would come, I encourage you to do so.